We're going to be in Acts chapter 22, uh, starting in verse 22 to uh, chapter 23, verse 11. And uh, Paul is uh, he's heading to Rome. That's, that's the last part of this uh, series that, that Stephen is preaching. And, uh, and his life has been uh, marked by hardship. In fact, Jesus said that would be the case. And uh, we're really going to look at that today. And, and I know personally in my life, uh, I got saved at 19. I grew up in the church, but I didn't quite get it till 19. And uh, as a young Christian uh, in my early 20s, I, I, uh, and especially as a teenager, I lived my life by my feelings and my emotions. And, uh, and uh, you know, I, I remember seeing a professor put up a little train and, and you had the Word of God, and then you had your thoughts, your beliefs, and your will. It was the second train car, and the caboose was feelings. And he's like, that's how it should be. The Word of God should drive our life. Our thoughts, our beliefs, our will should be second to that. And then our feelings should be third. But unfortunately, and the case was for myself, feelings drove my train. <laughs> And just like a case in point, and I, I wish uh, young people, old people alike, I wish someone had taken me aside that feelings don't always represent reality. Feelings ebb and flow, and, and they'll mislead you. And, and, uh, and I wish someone had taken me aside and told me that. You know, I was living my life by my feelings. An example was forgiveness. I had been betrayed by a friend. I was struggling with it, uh, even into seminary days. And... Uh, I, I was seeing a counselor, a godly counselor. He would challenge me. He's like, "Where?" I, I know, like three or four times in our sessions, he'd be, he'd just flat out told me, "Where's that in God's word? We need counselors like that. <laughs> Where's that in God's word?" Because I'd say something to him, and and so uh, he began to to tell me, you know, you know, forgiveness isn't about feelings. And and I'd think of this friend who betrayed me, and I'd I'd get hurt again. I'd get angry again. And I think, oh, I, I must not have forgiven him because if I've forgiven him, I wouldn't have these feelings. That's a lie. Where is that in the Bible? <laughs> you know. And so, uh, through his encouragement and, and uh, to to let the Word of God drive my life, I began when I think of him and those feelings come up. I I just tell myself, no, I've forgiven him, and I'm going to act like it. He is forgiven. And. And it, it took about a year. <laughs> I know if, if you're struggling with this right now, you don't want to hear that, but, but the feelings just don't die. Uh, and, but after about a year of rebuking myself, of saying, no, when someone's forgiven, they're forgiven. That's the word of God. God treats us that way, and he tells us to treat others that way. Yeah. And when someone is forgiven, and you rebuke yourself, and... and over time, the feelings died away. Well, why are you saying this? <laughs> uh, because Paul went through many hardships. Paul went through many struggles and through suffering. And I know personally that when I was living my life by my feelings and when the hard times came, I was devastated. If you live your life by your feelings, you will be devastated when the hard times come. And I just wanted to share that as a side note and an introduction. So let's all stand and we're going to read our passage uh, today. Starting in Acts 22, verse, uh, chapter 22, verse 22. 
Up to this word they listened to him. Then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. And as they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, the tribune ordered him to be brought back into the barracks, saying that he should be examined by flogging, to find out why they are shouting against him like this. But when they had stretched out for the uh, stretched him out for the whips, Paul said to the centurion who is, was standing by him, "Is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned?" When the centurion heard this, he went to the tribune and said to him, "What are what are you about to do? For this man is a Roman citizen." So the tribune came and said to him, "Tell me, are you a Roman citizen?" And he said to him, "Yes." The tribune answered, I bought this citizenship for a large sum. Paul said, But I am a citizen by birth. So those who were about to examine him withdrew from from him immediately. And the tribune also was afraid, for he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had bound him. But on the next day, desiring to know the real reason why he was being accused by the Jews, he unbound him and commanded the chief priests and all the council to meet. And he brought Paul down and set him before them. And looking intently at the council, Paul said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law, and yet contrary to the law, you order me to be struck? Those who stood by said, Would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest. For it is written, You shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Now when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of of Pharisees. It is with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial. And when he had said this, a decision arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. A dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, nor angel, nor spirits, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. Then a great clamor arose, and some of the scribes of the Pharisees' party stood up and, and contended sharply. We find nothing wrong in this man. What if a spirit or an angel spoke to him? And when the dissension became violent, the tribune, afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him away from among them by force and bring him into the barracks. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also. In Rome. Let's pray. Father, please bless the reading and the hearing of your word. Help us to hear from you uh, through the preaching and to be obedient to whatever you may have. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As I mentioned before, I think suffering really ties in to this. 
uh, sermon. It ties into a lot of what Paul does. It marks his life. And so I wanted to remind us of, of suffering in general and suffering in, in Paul and uh, that it marked his life. And in fact, uh, I was struck uh, on Saturday. I'll talk more about it later in, in my last point. But uh, on my drive over here, uh, I was struck by, by my preparation and, and study. And, and I, I have to share with you that I had to confess before the Lord. James 1.2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And he goes on there, but it, it was that beginning phrase. Consider it pure joy. And I know in my heart I agreed with it intellectually. And I know in my heart that God's word is true. But I have to confess, and I had to confess to the Lord, that sometimes I didn't behave that way. Sometimes, if you looked at my behavior and my thoughts and my feelings, I basically told God, I don't believe that's true, Lord. I don't want to suffer. Suffering is stupid. And so I had to confess to the Lord. And I'm very thankful that God has been revealing this to me. Because as I, as I thought about Paul, I, I, the, the, the very verse of, of uh, Acts uh, 9.16 kept ringing out in my head. And I was thinking about this, this moment when Ananias was, was speaking to God and God was telling him, I'm going to send you Saul... And, and you're going to take care of this guy. And you can tell Ananias isn't too happy about this. He's like, he's been uh, uh, putting people in prison. Uh, Stephen was killed. This is not a good thing, Lord. And God speaks to Ananias. And he says to him, uh, I'm going to use uh, Saul to be my chosen instrument. He's going to speak before rulers of the land. And I'm going to show him how much he will suffer for my name's sake. And that satisfies Ananias. And, you know, saying it out loud uh, to other people uh, in my preparations, uh, it sounds foolish, but, but uh, in my personal study, I would, I would read it. Uh, you know, Ananias was satisfied with that answer. And, and I read it with this kind of tone of voice saying, I'm going to get Saul. I'm going to punish him for all that he's done to me and my church. That's how I read it. And if I said it out loud like I'm doing it now, I'd be like, well, that's silly. God's not like that. But yet I was reading it that way. And I, perhaps Ananias was satisfied with God just saying, he's going to be my chosen instrument and he'll stand before rulers of the world. Or Ananias is described as a man of wisdom. He probably understood what God's been teaching me lately. That this call in Paul's life to suffer was not a negative thing. It was not, I'm going to get you. It was a call to know God better. It was a call to understand Him in a way that I think a lot of Christians miss out on. God was drawing Paul to himself. Paul began to understand just the, 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 the depth of his sin, the depth of God's love, and the closeness that God wants with each and every one of his children. Yeah. And I, I would like to think that Ananias understood that. 
And we know that Paul understood that through his journeys. And he was not shaken because he stood on God's word. And, and I, I just wanted to remind us of the, of, of the suffering of Paul. That, that it was a positive thing. That, that it was an encouraging thing. That God's, I've got a plan for you and you're going to know me in a way that, that a lot of people won't get to. Or, unfortunately, are unwilling to. And that speaks to me. Because far too often when I'm in a trial or suffering, my first response is, Lord, get me out of this. And, and you know, it's okay to be honest with God. Uh, Paul says in one of his letters, three times I prayed to God to take this away from me, take this weakness away from me. And God spoke to him and said, uh, my strength is sufficient for you. And then Paul began to boast in his weakness. And so if, if Paul can cry out to God, take it away, I don't, want to, I don't want anyone to ever feel like you can't cry out to God and say, Lord, help me. Lord, take me out of this. But I also want to encourage us there is a, a higher road, a more mature path. Uh, and, and, and James, that's what he's saying. Consider it pure joy, my brother, when you face trials of many kinds. And I want to encourage us in that. And that's kind of setting the framework for today's lesson. Well, uh, uh, Stephen just left at, at just the perfect cliffhanger last week. Uh, Paul got to uh, Jesus, uh, the story in his life where Jesus tells him, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. And, and, and it was really cool, the contrast between the two of how the, the, the Jewish church received Paul and, and, and the other Jews who, who received Paul, uh, and both responding to this calling of going to the Gentiles. And of course, the, the Jewish church glorified God. And of course, we've read today, they said, away with this fellow, rid the earth of him. Wow, uh, you can't get much stronger than that. And they, they, they get into a frenzy. And, and I, I just love the fact that, that the uh, Roman uh, uh, leader... Uh, you know, I, I think the, the mode of operation uh, for the Roman Empire is flog them first and then find out what's happening. You know, uh, uh, beat them. Uh, they probably deserve it. Beat them and, and then we'll get the story straight. That seems to be the normal mode for the Roman Empire. And, and that's what they, they start to do. And, and when, uh, when, when they first got to, to Paul, he was being beaten by the crowd. Again, their first response wasn't like, uh, get away from this man, don't hurt him. They're like, put him in chains. You know, and, and, and of course, they're, they're not a Christian empire. You know, and, and they created their empire by power and by force and by ruthlessness. And so I, I think it just reflects the day. I'm thankful of, of the country that we live in. And uh, that'll come into play too. And so... Uh, as we're uh, reminded of the suffering, uh, can we go to the next slide? Or next two slides? God uses our suffering for our good. Romans 8.28 God uh, uses all things for good for those who are called according to His purpose, for those who love Him. I might have gotten the word order mixed up a little. And, I, and I, I tell the youth, and I'm telling us today, 
what, what's included in all things? Is it the things you don't like? Yeah. Is it things you regret? Yeah, they know the right answer. God, Jesus, the Bible. You know. But, but it's encouraging to hear that word. It's encouraging to remind us, you know, and not in a cliche way. Are you called according to His purpose? Do you love God? Then His promise is that it will work to your good. Now, He doesn't say we'll always understand every little detail. He gives us everything we need. But He promises us it will all work to our good. And so in our suffering, God works for our good, and God works for our growth. And Hebrews uh, uh, 5... Uh, 5.8, it talks about Jesus being made complete through suffering, made perfect in some translations. I think complete is a, a more understandable uh, way because if you say made perfect, you're like, well, he wasn't, he wasn't perfect before, but he was. <laughs> but, but Jesus became a human child who was developing and growing and maturing, and he had a finished product to become. And part of that product, both physically and spiritually, that God intended His Son to become as a human was because of suffering. And in fact, the salvation that He brings us is the greatest suffering on earth. And Jesus was made complete through suffering, and our growth involves suffering. And I I want us to be clear. We shouldn't go up to people and say, this is why you're suffering. I mean, unless you're just... 100 and I hate the 110%, but I'm going to set, use it now. 110% because my math brain says you can't have more than 100%. One, unless you're just absolutely certain and, and you know the Lord's will, I, don't say that. You know, Job's friends got in a lot of trouble by doing that very thing. Had they just stuck with the sitting by him the first two days like they did on the first two days, they would have been doing great. They were friends, they were comforting him, and then they opened their mouth. <laughs> and so in our suffering, it's good to understand and encourage one another that God will use that to our good. But, but we shouldn't arrogantly or foolishly say, I know why you're suffering. Yeah. You know, I can tell you that God will use it for your good. I can't always tell you why. Can't usually tell you why, actually. And then finally, as I mentioned with Paul, God wants to use our suffering to draw us closer to Him. There are so many examples in the Bible. I picked a few. Uh, I, I was just struck by Saul. You really, you read the book of Saul, and we just looked at at First and First uh, Samuel in, in our our woven series, and, and I really enjoyed that. And, and, and you just look at Saul, and, and he has a few good moments right there at the beginning, but from after that, it's kind of a downward spiral. He has the dynasty stripped away from him. He has the kingship stripped away from him. And then he has his life stripped away from him. And in between those events, there were even a few times when David himself could have taken his life. And all these encounters, and, and, and it's easy to look at Saul and just look at uh, all the failures and the downward spiral. But I began to see that at every moment, at all those critical junctures, God was calling Saul back to himself. Yeah, amen. God loves Saul. 
And we can say that with a fact. And, and, and he had every chance and every opportunity. And I believe he's part of the covenant community and just made a lot of bad choices. We'll find out. But I do know God was calling him back at all those moments. Every time God was saying, return to me, come back to me, just like the prodigal son. And Jonah, man, talk about running the other way. I don't think anyone can have as dramatic a, 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 an effect. And God was calling Jonah to himself in the midst of calling a people to himself. There's a, an entire city that repented and had revival that we, you know, I, I, I can't tell you how many or how big, but we're going to meet Assyrians up in heaven. Amen. They were a vile, horrible people. I will just... End it right there. <laughs> but some of them repented. And Jonah, uh, God was not only using Jonah to, to draw a people to himself, God was trying to teach Jonah a lesson about how he loves everybody. So God wants to use our suffering uh, uh, to, to draw us closer to himself. And I... And so as, as we look at Paul, and, and he's about to, uh, uh, he's struck in the mouth, and, you know, the, the suffering that Paul's been through, today's is kind of minor. He was going to get flogged, but it didn't happen. And, and I can just imagine the chaos. I mean, it, the crowd was so chaotic that, that the Roman centurion couldn't even tell what was happening. He couldn't tell who was wrong, and he had to pull Paul back into the barracks. And then when he finds out Paul is, is not uh, that Egyptian that he thought he was, and, and he lets them speak to the crowd, and then they get all riled up again. And they're going to get riled up a third time, which we read. And Paul, uh, Paul speaks to the crowd, and, and, and they get riled up. Excuse me, I lost my place. And, and those phrases stick in your head that, you know, like, I will show him how much he will suffer for my name's sake. And, and God, if we're willing to, is calling all of us to some degree, some level, that we might share in the sufferings of Christ and understand and know God better. And, and, uh, and uh, the next phrase I just kind of, I couldn't get out of my head was the whole interchange between the centurion and Paul. He's like, are, are you a, a Roman citizen? He's like, uh, I, the tribune's like, I had to pay a fortune for that. And Paul, uh, but I was born a citizen. I, I, just, I just knew there was meaning there and I, I love the interplay and, 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 and he probably did spend a fortune to become a citizen, which means, you know, only... If you're going to buy your citizenship in Rome, only, only uh, the rich could afford it. And, uh, you know, being a citizen in Rome wasn't that great, but it was better than anything else in that world. One of the perks of being a citizen was you didn't get crucified. We killed you in another way. You still got killed, but, but you didn't get crucified. 
And, and this is how brutal they were. And so someone's not going to lie about being a citizen because once they find out you're not a citizen, guess what? You're getting crucified. I mean, they, they can't let you mess around with that. It has to mean something. And, and Paul waits for, for everything to calm down because he could have cried out in the midst of the chaos and I think it would have been lost. And he waits for everything to die down, which brings us to our second point. Paul uses his citizenship and his heritage for the glory of God. And he just calmly says, is it lawful to flog someone who's a Roman citizen and uncondemned? Both, really. He's, you know, you haven't even proven my guilt. You haven't even heard my story. And I'm a Roman citizen. And just calmly states it and and, of course, the centurion gets worried, and he goes to the tribune, and the tribune comes out and asks him, what's the deal? And so I was asking the Lord, is there some spiritual significance there? And, and, and I'm not sure this is the main point of the story, but I, just, I couldn't let go of this whole interchange of, I paid a great price for this citizenship. And Paul's saying, but I got it for free. And, and, and I think it's a picture of, of the Jews and, and, and the Gentiles and also uh, us in our salvation. You know, the, the Jews were, were, you know, Paul uh, many times mentions how uh, the gospel message came to them first. And I think sometimes in our Western ears we're like, man, why is Paul snubbing us like that? But it's, it's, it's really, he's not doing that. It's more like if you were introducing your family, you'd be like, uh, here's my sister, she's the firstborn, and here's my brother, he's the middle child. That, that's kind of the, the attitude that, you know, the gospel came to the Jews first. There's no way around that. It's just a statement of fact. And then, and then it came to the Gentiles. Praise the Lord. Amen. And so Paul uses his Roman citizenship for the glory of God. And Paul uses his Jewish heritage for the glory of God. He cries out uh, to, uh, he sees the crowd, the, these uh, Pharisees and Sadducees aren't going his way. And, and he's like, well, I'm going to get out of this. He uses his own wisdom and he cries out to the Pharisees. And in case uh, you're not sure, there were, there were two main religious groups uh, in, in Judah in, in Israel that day. There were, there were actually several others, but there were two main ones that were in power the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And, and the Sadducees were, were the ones that were really in power. And they only believed uh, in the Pentateuch, in the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the ones attributed to Moses. They didn't believe the rest of the Old Testament was authoritative. And so therefore, they, they didn't believe in the resurrection or in angels, and yet both of those are there. In fact, Jesus even stumps them. He's like, well, why does... Uh, David call uh, him the God of Jacob. If, if the dead don't rise again, then why does he refer to Jacob? And so Jesus stumps them uh, while he, during his ministry, but, but they, they held on to their beliefs. It didn't crumble their, their whole system. And then the Pharisees believe in what we, we know of as the Old Testament. And Paul was a Pharisee, a Pharisee of Pharisees. And he wisely uses his heritage and causes a little dispute uh, and, and, and then the centurion gets him out of there. And I'm mindful of, of Paul using his citizenship and his heritage uh, for the glory of God. 
and uh, and at, at what price? You know, uh, uh, the Roman centurion paid a high price. Paul was born into it. Uh, many of us were born into this country, and we enjoy some great privileges. Are we using those privileges for God? And I don't mean go vote, but should go vote. Are we using all that God gives us for God? You know, Paul had kind of a triple uh, citizenship. He was a Roman citizen. He was a Jewish uh, in heritage. And then he was a Christian. We also uh, have at least dual citizenship if we're in Christ. And the question is, are we using it for God? And which comes first in our life? I, I, I know this guy... At work, and he told me he had triple citizenship in three different countries, and that was new to me. I didn't think that was loud. I thought if you're a U.S. citizen, that's all you can be. Uh, I didn't know you could be dual or triple citizenship. So I, in my curiosity, asked him, "Well, which one comes first? <laughs> I thought that was a natural question, and he kind of backstepped a little and got a, a slightly embarrassed and, and said, "Well, don't answer. Ask me that question." You know, don't make me choose. But there will be a day when we all have to choose. And if we don't make that choice, that is a choice. We will stand before the Holy God and say, I confronted you with my word. I confronted you with my gospel message through brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. And you didn't make a decision, which is a decision. Which citizenship comes first in our lives? I, I later, on a side note, uh, went to his cubicle and, and he had a map of the world and little pins were everywhere he'd been and one pin was a different color. And I said, oh, I guess that answers my question. <laughs> and he got a little embarrassed then too. Uh, so I, I knew which one came first. And I, you know, this might actually come back to him so I'm protecting his name. So, uh, so, uh, are we using all that we are and all that we have for God? And we have these great freedoms in this world. And people in persecution, people in prison are, are proclaiming boldly. Uh, Paul, uh, he did have his moment of weakness that he cried to the Lord for release three times. Uh, but that was not his norm. And in fact, he would ask the churches, pray that I would be bold. That was encouraging me to me as a young Christian because I, I, I always saw Paul as this super Christian. Jesus, you know, didn't bother me because he's the son of God. He had to be perfect, you know. But Paul was this like, man, I mean, I can't even get to his level. And then one day he's, I saw him. He's asking the churches that he would be bold. I was like, Paul needs to be encouraged. Paul needs to be strengthened. And, and even Jesus went alone to quiet times to spend time with the Lord. We all need yeah. encouragement. We all need help and strength. God, that's the way God designed us, to be part of a family. And we need to use all that we have and all that we are for the glory of God. We need to use our citizenship and, 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 and you know, go vote and, 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 and share the gospel. We need to use our work. 
I, I, I knew a man uh, that saw himself as a Christian first above all things. And, and he would tell a, another brother or sister that he says, I'm a Christian who is cleverly disguised as a janitor. <laughs> That's what he would say. But he said it all the time. And you knew that how he thought of himself. He was a citizen of heaven. And he had an earthly job to do. But while he did that earthly job, he was mindful of what his Lord wanted. Amen. What his Lord wanted him to do. And, and, and the fact that I got to hear that story meant he was doing some or all of it. He was sharing. Do we use the, our work for the glory of God? Do we use our homes? Uh, I, I got the opportunity to go to the evangelism conference here in New Mexico. Uh, was it February? I think so. And, and uh, it was really enriching. And, and I, I think the speaker that I liked the most uh, was really just hammering home that every church should be a missionary sending agency and every home should be a missionary outpost and every believer should be a missionary. And he's right. Missionaries shouldn't be different. There shouldn't be like, oh, well, there's us and then there's missionaries. You know, sometimes we do that with pastors and sometimes we do that with missionaries. We all have these two-tier systems. But we're all children of God. There are no grandchildren in God's family. And we all have the same calling. And so every church should be a missionary sending agency. And I, I love that Stephen and, and Danny are, are encouraging that and, and, and leading the charge forward in that. And, and that's what we need to become. A missionary sending agency that's going to take the gospel message to wherever God wants it. And every home. This is where it gets a, a little quick. Because oh, our home is our our cave, our, our private place. Every home should be a missionary outpost. You get recharged at the missionary sending agency, but your home should be a missionary outpost. Are we going to use our homes for the glory of God? Our greatest ministry field is our own family. Both in quality and quantity, we aren't going to get any more chances than our very own family to share the gospel, to share God's love, to live out the word of God. You're going to get both in your home. Are we going to use everything we are and everything we have for the glory of God? Our relationships. I already mentioned family, but we have friends, we have co-workers, we have neighbors, we have acquaintances. And I think in my fear and in my timidity, I've often prayed the prayer, Lord, should, should I go share the gospel with this person? That's kind of a dumb question, if we're being honest, you know. And and I, I, I'm I'm secretly hoping that God will say no. <laughs> and that's why I asked it. You know, uh, but these chance encounters, you'll never see them again. But they might see Jesus if we're obedient. They might become a child of God. If we're obedient. I know as a, as a young Christian, I was 19. I was working for Chick-fil-A, most awesome restaurant in the world. And uh, we would deliver sandwiches to the schools. They had a school lunch program. They had Chick-fil-A sandwiches in their school. They got a discount even. I was so jealous. I didn't have that in high school. But they did, and we delivered them. And I got to this one school in Denver area, if you know it, GW High School. 
And uh, I got to that school at the same time every day as the Taco Bell lady. <laughs> and uh, I got saved in January of my freshman year in college. And so I was doing the Chick-fil-A thing at the same time. And uh, sometime after I got saved, uh, I show up to GW, and, and she goes, How come you're happy all the time? And I just looked at her and shrugged and said, I don't know. And on my drive back to Chick-fil-A, God just said, I dropped one in your lap. I dropped one in your lap. And now, you know, she's not going to be able to stand before a holy God and point to me and say, if it weren't for him, I'd be in heaven. She's going to be accountable to God for her own actions and that God has spoken to her. I believe God speaks to everyone. But I am accountable for missing that opportunity. And uh, I, I pray for her when I think about it. I'm like, Lord, please send her another person. Please send her someone more obedient than myself. And so sometimes in my fear and my timidity, I ask myself, and I, I try not to do that anymore. If, if it pops in my head that I should share the gospel, that's, that's the Lord. And if it's not the Lord, if we do it with truth and with grace, He's going to use it. Because, I mean, I, I could picture a scenario where God might say, not today. <laughs> but that's not going to be the norm. We need to use our homes, our lives, our relationships... We need to use our personalities, our hobbies, our likes, our dislikes, our interests, and even our quirks. Some might call them bad habits. Give everything to the Lord. Give everything to His, His glory, to His kingship, to His lordship. When we say Jesus is Lord, that means He gets to tell us what to do. And if we give it all to Him, John says in chapter 15 that God is the, the gardener, that the Father is the gardener, He prunes us. If we give it all to Him, He's like, that's not, that's not working. You're not producing spiritual fruit. This is actually holding you back. You need to get rid of it. And then He says, I want you to go this way. I want you to follow this pursuit. I want you to speak to this person. Because it doesn't happen every day as much as we'd like it, but God does speak to us. We see it here in Paul's message. And, and, and you know... Getting here, I'm probably jumping the gun at this point in the message. You know, Agabus, the, the prophet, came to him and said, if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be bound up. And, and you, if you go back and read that story, Agabus never says you shouldn't go. He's just letting Paul know what's going to happen. And, and Luke later says that they pleaded with him in the spirit not to go. And man, that must have been tearing Paul up. He might have started feeling a little bit like what Jesus was feeling when Peter was saying, Oh, no, not you, Lord. And Jesus had to tell Peter, Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> Satan means adversary, by the way. I don't think he really thought Peter was possessed. But he was being adversarial. And Paul and Luke was, was pleading with Paul, Don't go. But then they finally relented and realized this is the Lord's will. But as the reader, as I read the story of Acts, I'm always wondering, was Paul really supposed to go to Jerusalem? 
And then you have the very words of Jesus in a vision to Paul. As you have testified in Jerusalem, so you are going to testify in Rome. Paul used everything he could, every opportunity, all that he was, all that he is, all that he has for Jesus. I'm sure he messed up along the way. We all do. But his life was marked by giving it all to Jesus. He, he lived a life in a pattern of obedience and he lived by God's word. And so when these hard times came, when his own brothers and sisters were pleading with him in the spirit... He was not shaken. And then Jesus gives him this word of encouragement. As you have testified to Jesus, you are going to testify in Rome. It was a rough journey just getting to this point. I wonder how many doubts and, 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 and times in his life there were. And me, I, I, we're just a, a gratification now society. Uh, you know, once I know what the Lord's will is, I want... I want it to happen right then. You know, I'm like that at work. You know, I have this wonderful joy of working at a ministry and, and uh, with a global vision and ushering in the, 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 the second coming, spreading the word of God to every nation. And then someone will come and share this, this grand vision. And I'm like, yeah, let's, it should happen now. It doesn't happen now. It takes time to get a, a big machine moving and, and people have to use wisdom and consult and, and, and I just want it now. And in fact, Paul uh, hears this, this encouragement from the Lord and it's going to take him, I don't know, a month to get to Festus or Felix and, and he's going to spend two years in front of Felix to no avail. He's going to spend some time in front of Festus and he'll appeal to Caesar. He's going to have a hard journey just getting to Rome with a shipwreck on the way. And then he gets to Rome and the book of Acts kind of ends there. But we know from his letters and, and tradition that he, he waits in Rome for a while because you don't just get to walk in and see the emperor. You know, he, he, was, he was in a house that they... they suspect for several years under house arrest it was a, one of his nicer house arrests so just a rough estimate minimum we're talking five years Jesus tells him you're going to testify before the emperor you're going to testify in Rome at minimum five years and you know no one knows for sure the exact time And in the midst of our hardships, in the midst of our, our, our suffering and our trials, if you have a pattern of obedience, if you have a pattern of living by the word of God, you can endure suffering. And, and uh, I know uh, in Second in Peter, when we first came here, uh, there was the strain of suffering. Our, my Sunday school class, uh, we went through the book of Hebrews. There's just this big old theme of suffering. And, and, and Paul's life is marked by suffering. <laughs> and if I can quote the Princess Bride just once, <laughs> Wesley says to Buttercup, life is pain. Anyone who says otherwise is selling something. And Jesus is here for the pain.
Our sin caused the pain. Our sin is the reason why there is suffering, but God plans to use that suffering to draw people to Himself, to draw those who already belong Him closer to Himself. And our, our life is marked with, with suffering. And Paul's more than many. And mature Christians will endure suffering. And some suffering is waiting. How many of y'all like to wait? Okay, I, I was very I was I was gonna pick on whoever raised their hand right there. Uh, all right. No one really likes to wait. But some of us handle it a little better than others. And that's just a super mild form of suffering. And God has called us all uh, to certain good works. God has divine appointments planned for each and every one of us. There might be someone that God has planned for you this very day to share His Word with. And we need to be mindful of that. And God plans to use our suffering, and and mature Christians endure suffering, and um, we seek God's will in everything. We need to be mindful of, of, of what he's do, uh, doing. Uh, just like I was totally oblivious with the Taco Bell lady. Had I had my mind set on what God wanted that day, you know, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't withholding the gospel from her. It didn't occur to me that, oh, she doesn't need to be saved. I just was totally oblivious. I wasn't thinking about God and what He wants. I wasn't a citizen of heaven cleverly disguised as a Chick-fil-A delivery boy. But I should have been. We need to be seeking God's will and mindful of what He wants in in every area of our life. And then obey. Because sometimes we're really good at the seeking part, but then when God reveals what He wants for us in our life, we're like, oh, let me think about that, God. We need to obey. And if we have a pattern of obeying, when the hard times come like what they do with Paul, we will not be rocked. We will not be shaken. And we need to wait on Jesus. This me now time, we need to remind each other that, that we need to wait on Jesus to seek His will to give Him opportunity to speak to us each and every time. There are very few times when you just have to decide on a spiritual matter right then and there. If you don't have the will of God on a decision, then seek Him. Wait on Him. Go back to Him again and again. That's what the parable of the persistent widow is. If, If an evil judge knows how to do it, how much more does a Father in Heaven who loves us know how to give us Justice and advice and guidance. We need to wait on Him. And we just wait in general. Five years. Thirteen years from the time Joseph was told he would one day rule over his brothers till he was raised as the second in Egypt. Thirteen years. God has a big picture and plan. And, and a lot of times we get caught and focused on today. Let's pray.